This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Welcome back, guys. DGS on KMOX. A few minutes past 5 p.m. We have such great friends and resources here at KMOX. Uh, a few days ago, we talked to uh, General Hurdle. Uh, you see on CNN all the time. Right now, we're going to talk to our friend, Colonel Jeff McCausland. Uh, Colonel, great to talk to you again. Thank you so much for spending some time with us today. It's great to be with you. So, Colonel, it's the first time we've talked to you since uh, uh, the Israeli war. So I'm just going to throw you the initial softball and just ask you to talk about how you found out your initial reactions and how those have progressed with uh, the ensuing facts on the ground. Well, like anybody else, I was certainly surprised at the onset of these hostilities, but I certainly wasn't shocked. This is the fifth war between Israel and Hamas since about 2007, and we saw tensions have been building for quite some time uh, between Hamas and Israel, or at least between Palestinians and Israel. Now, that being said, the no doubt about it, Hamas scored what I would call tactical, operational, and strategic surprise with this attack. They'd actually recently completed an agreement whereby 18,000 people were crossing the border from Gaza into Israel every day to work, and there was talk about expanding that number. Clearly, Hamas was planning this particular attack for quite some period of time and was able to maintain unbelievable operational security in the conduct of this particular assault. So, Colonel, obviously, with especially the brutality of the attack, Hamas, they're not dumb. They knew that Israel would respond, and they probably figured that they would respond in the way that they are uh, staging this, uh, this ground incursion. How does that benefit them? Uh, It's like punching a bigger guy in the nose, knowing you're going to get your ass kicked. What's in it for them? I think there's two things that were, or several things actually were in their benefit. One, I think they made a flawed assumption. Flawed assumption was that Israel was not united. They saw all this social unrest going on in Israel as a significant portion, if not a majority of the population, opposed efforts by the Netanyahu government to undermine the authority of the courts. And we've seen demonstrations of hundreds of thousands of people who've had announcement by reservists that they would not report for duty as long as the Netanyahu government was in power. So they may have assumed that, that Israel was fractured, was not paying attention, and would not come together. Obviously, that was a false assumption. The second assumption they made, and they've done this in the past, is, well, they realize they can't go toe-to-toe and defeat Israel militarily, but certainly evoking that type of response on Hamas and on Palestine over time degrades the image of Israel in the wider global community, and more and more people around the world 
start to look upon Palestine and Palestinians as victims. And they hopefully believe that would occur, and it would elicit what they hoped all along for, which is a massive outpouring all across the Middle East, stretching perhaps from Marrakesh to Bangladesh, of people you know, now responding to a call to take down Israel. And we remain to be seen, frankly, whether that will in fact occur. And then thirdly, they were troubled by an effort that Israel had ongoing to normalize relationships with Saudi Arabia, because were that to happen, Saudi Arabia would probably defer to efforts by the Palestinian Authority as representative of the Palestinian people. There would be some accommodation made to some degree, at least, for the Palestinian people, and that certainly would undermine the power and authority of Hamas. And beginning an attack like this has put that particular effort to normalize relations on the back burner for quite some period of time. So there were several objectives, I think, that Hamas thought they might elicit in beginning this attack. Uh, if you're just joining us, we're talking to our friend Colonel Jeff McCausland. Uh, Colonel, we see what's going on around the world and what's going on at the uh, the American embassy in Lebanon and the emotion and Iran saber rattling and talking about times up and nukes and things like this. To what degree are you actually concerned with this escalating and what could that look like for non-military people like us? Well, I'm very concerned, quite frankly, that this could escalate, as I said, all, all across the wider uh, Arab community with strikes against not only the United States, but Western facilities, embassies. There was an attack today by a couple of drones against a U.S. military installation in Iraq. We could see attacks against U.S. forces in Syria. Substantial force number of American civilians are in Israel, of course. There's about 500 Americans. We believe they're in the Gaza Strip. And there are thousands of Americans in Lebanon, not to mention Western Europeans, et cetera, throughout all those areas. So the possibility of a wider war is not at all without the realm possible. Clearly within Israel, the Israelis are concerned about a really a three-front war. Currently, they're engaged in preparation of what appears to be uh, a land incursion into Gaza that has captivated the Israeli military. But in response to this bombing that recently killed 471 people at a hospital in Gaza, we see massive demonstrations in the West Bank, and we could have much higher levels of violence on the West Bank, causing Israel to defer forces there. And then finally, of course, Hezbollah, which is a Shiite-based uh, terrorist organization in southern Lebanon, has begun to fire more and more rockets and missiles, artillery, mortars at Israeli positions in northern Lebanon. That could explode into a third front, and Hezbollah has probably twice as many soldiers as Hamas, is a much more veteran organization. Most of their troops have fought in Syria in the civil wars there. They have upwards of 150,000 rockets and missiles pointed at Israel at every given moment. I've actually walked the terrain there in northern Lebanon and viewed the areas where they're preparing to do that. And obviously that type of a 3-1 front war would be a nightmare for Israel and, frankly, a nightmare for all of us. Colonel, how, how much does the spread of, of information impact what's really going to happen in a conflict like this? Because we're seeing just all kinds of false reports, old videos being sure. purported as new. How much do the actual players involved, the big countries, the, the, the organizations themselves, how much does that even impact this? Is this just something we in the civilian world end up dealing with as a separate matter of perception? No, there's no doubt about it. I mean, somebody said a long time ago, the first casualty of war is the truth. And that certainly seems to be the case here. 
And in a very transparent world we have with social media, obviously there's multiple narratives that are going on. Sadly, it it appears to me now that there's growing evidence that the uh, blast at that hospital was not caused by a bomb delivered by Israeli aircraft, but in fact was a missile launched by Islamic Jihad, a smaller terrorist organization somewhat aligned with Hamas, that misfired and fell on that particular hospital. Whether or not that makes any difference right now remains to be seen, because across the Arab world, the narrative is very clear. This was Israel. Israel was striking this target. Israel killed 470 innocent civilians, majority of which were women and children. And that particular narrative is persuasive in that part of the world. So, Colonel, uh, President Biden has said that he's going to make a, a major ask for $100 billion. We've already spent billions of dollars in Ukraine, and that's beginning to sort of splinter the political parties on a national level. Whether you answer as a military man or simply a citizen, uh, what's your opinion of that, of allocating billions of dollars to Ukraine and to Israel? Well, I can answer that both. In terms of Israel, Israel is an ally of the United States that always has been. Mr. Biden's trip to Israel, he underscored our support for Israel. I think in his remarks, he said at least three times, you are not alone, we are behind you. Now, the Israeli military is pretty sophisticated, pretty well equipped. There are about six storage areas for ammunition in Israel that we maintain. They have a large amount of, of supplies, but the United States will support Israel. There's no doubt about it. Well, I think urging them to think through does a land incursion lead them to greater stability or greater chaos. With respect to Ukraine, it seems to me that if we believe Russia is an adversary of ours on the world stage for some period of time, why is supporting Ukraine, which is a democracy, albeit an imperfect democracy, which has been attacked by Russia, its borders have been violated, massive atrocities have been committed uh, on Ukrainian people, some not terribly dissimilar to the atrocities committed by Hamas, why would we walk away from that and think for a moment that Mr. Putin would be at all satisfied with taking up all of Ukraine and not continue to expand his efforts across Europe? Why would we think that would, be, would happen? And the, would the greater war we might prevent cause us to think that spending an additional $43 billion, which we spent so far, on, on uh, Ukrainian support, is a tiny fraction of what a greater conflict might bring. Furthermore, why would we think for a moment that not supporting Ukraine in this particular difficult moment would not provide a green light to Xi Jinping in his desire to move aggressively against the island of Taiwan? My goodness, the Japanese prime minister, when he was in Kiev talking with Mr. Zelensky in a public remarks, said, and I quote, you want to deter Chinese aggression in the Pacific, you have to win the war in Ukraine. Since he lives in that region, I'll take his word on it. Colonel, we're always smarter after talking to you. I'm sure we'll be reaching out again in the coming days. Thank you so very much for your time. My pleasure. Brilliant stuff, isn't it? I mean, and it's hard for me to believe, too, that a lot of the people that are opposing those types of that, that type of aid to Ukraine don't see that. They have to, right? I mean, if you're in Congress... If you're in the Senate, if you have access to intelligence briefings, how would you not understand that dynamic? I get it how we normies may not understand those things, which is why you talk to people like Jeff McCausland. It's why you talk to people like Mark Hurtling, when we, you know, General Hurtling, when we have a chance to talk to him. Because you can learn things about these situations that aren't necessarily readily available or readily apparent to you as an everyday citizen. 
Does that make sense? Yeah. And I and the people that are in Congress, they know this, but I think the skept the, the the skeptical side of me says they don't really care because they can use it for their own political gain. I'm not even going to the step of oh you're funded by Russia. Like that's ridiculous. If it can't be proven, it can't be said. But it can be very clearly said that you're using it for your own political gain. Take a quick break. We'll come right back. 221 DGS. Okay, let's change things up here. Bad Chick-fil-A. What? Okay, so Chick-fil-A. I don't want to hear it. Told yeah, people, I don't either. Oh, well, you're going to have to hear it because I ran across this and I could not share it. So they do a delivery service. I guess they have their own app where you can get delivery. Um, and they told people, we'll never raise the price on you. It's the same as it is in the store. Well, it turns out they were raising the prices by a little bit and now they're being sued. Bad Chick-fil-A. It's a breach of trust. I encountered a weird pricing thing, too, the other day. I went through somewhere, and I got, like, a little breakfast thing. And then I, like, the next the next day, I did the exact same thing. <laughs> and I went inside this time instead of the drive-thru. And it was a little bit cheaper in the drive-thru by, like, 10 cents. That's weird. I know. Where was it? <sighs> oh, I'll just say it. It was Panera. I got a bagel at Panera, and it was, like, 10 <laughs> cents cheaper in the drive-thru. Than when I went in, and it was like it's been like. Did you not go in because the lady hates you? I went in. Well, I went in because the lady hates me. The drive-through lady is the one that hates me. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. I got you. Do you think she hates you because you you come in to get your drink and you say your name is Megan? That could be. Yeah, I always go through the drive-through, and I, I we met my wife and I share the drink pass, but it's under her name, so they're like, "Do you have rewards for the drink pass?" And I say, "Yes." I give them a phone number, and they go. Is that for Megan? And I go, yes. <laughs> yes, this is Megan. Uh, I wanted to do this topic anyway, but Wheels, you have this on your sheet. Uh, the The headline I saw is that RFK Jr. could uh, hurt Trump's chances. And that, and Andrew, I think you said that Harlan Crow threw a bunch of money behind Cornell West. So just the same way that across the world we're fighting these proxy fights, <laughs> <laughs> it seems like... This next presidential election really could be decided by the independents. Isn't it? I mean, yeah, I mean, it, it usually is swayed by the independents, right? I think we've I mean, seen the independent candidates, right? Right. The independent mm-hmm. candidates in this case. Uh, that's fascinating. And you're right. It's a great analogy. Um, the, the latest NPR PBS poll. You know, if you look at a two way race, if it's just Biden and Trump, it's basically a dead heat. Some will show Trump a little bit ahead. Some will show Biden a little bit ahead, but they're really close. Um, this poll was was asking people about what they would do to vote in a three-person race with Biden, Trump, and Kennedy. Biden is about the same as he is in the other polls. Trump is like seven points lower, and those votes are apparently going to Kennedy. So it went 40, 44% Biden, 37 Trump, 16 Kennedy. Okay, I don't know. Okay, what a thing to say. I'm going to say how ignorant I am and then give an opinion. Uh, I don't know that much about RFK, but he seems cuckoo to me. Um, do you think – what is it about him, do you think, appeals to the Trump fans? A few things. Um, I mean, because policy-wise, he's not a conservative, right? I mean, he's a Kennedy. He's even he even tried to run as a Democrat, right? So – there are things about him, though. He's 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 anti-establishment. I don't think he appeals to quote unquote Republicans. I think he appeals to people that are anti-establishment because what's he, what are his big things? 
I mean, one of them that he's known for, even though he pushes back on it, but one of him, one of the things he pushes back on or that he's known for is being very much against the pharmaceutical industry and being anti-vaccine. He says he's not, but some of his comments have been pretty clear um, and he can change. I'm not, I mean, if, he, if his opinions have been altered over time or whatever, that's fine. But I mean, it's one of the things he's known for. He, and he is considered to be the anti-establishment person or an anti-establishment person in that way. But it, but in social issues and stuff, he's very much a Democrat. You'll know it's real when Trump goes after him. Yeah. I, I wonder, I asked this the other day, do you think he drops out? Kennedy, I mean, like eventually does he look at it and go, I can't win no matter how this goes? I think he would only drop out if it benefited him. If someone said, hey, if you drop out, we'll let you be the dog catcher or something. And do you guys think, because um, I mean, it's interesting that you've got Cornell West being put into that position. I forget what the name of the party that they're using is, but basically it's an independent move. Does he carry the same weight? Does he bring the same impact to this as Kennedy does if you put him in that poll? I don't know the answer to that. I'm just asking the question. I'm sorry, put who in that poll? In Cornell West. Oh, okay. Well, I mean, if Harlan Crow, uh, the Supreme Court's best friend, mm. throws that much money, I mean, you th- you can throw that much money behind me, and I'll start going up in the polls. Mm. So if they put that much money behind Cornell West, uh, it's funny. Cornell West is a very, very smart person. He has always played the crazy. He kind of looks kind of crazy. He's got kind of a crazy appearance. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty smart. Pretty very smart. Yeah. And he and my point is we're living in a time when crazy and smart sell. So in years past, I don't think he gets two percent. But in the current way things are going, he could actually maybe make some inroads. I have a very stupid question. Uh do you guys think if independent candidates end up making as big of an impact on this election as some of these numbers would seem to suggest. Do you think that makes people more so than in years past pay attention to the concept of a third party? I think both things happen. Mm -hmm. I think the citizenry who like a third party like me and Chris Cuomo and Kevin Wheeler would say, hey, look at that. Uh, We did better than we thought we would. Now let's get a real uh, third-party candidate. Let's get someone real who's not cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. I think it makes the Democrats and the Republicans say, like, hey, look, we hate each other, but let's combine forces and let's snuff this third-party stuff out for good. I think you would see them really attack them. What if we throw in the new group? No labels. No, labels. no labels. That's going to be a what big What if we throw no labels into this? And who is the, who are they talking about as the uh, guy that- Joe Manchin, uh <sighs> Huntsman. Huntsman. Um, uh, so let's say they throw that ticket, those two, one order or another. Yeah. One, one's president, one's vice president. Where does that fit with this polling? I think personally. Are they in the I, Kennedy range? I think that or above. And who do they take from? Do they take from both? Do they take more from Democrats? That's above my pay grade. Because those two, Huntsman and Man- now Manchin's a Democrat, but he makes Democrats mad. Yeah. And Huntsman's a Republican. That's... I think they would do better than most of my friends think that they would do. 234 DJS on KMOX. Our buddy George Rosenthal is here from Throttleneck. Going to talk some AI. And we have uh, a specific thing to talk about today. 
And we talked about this at the beginning of the show that uh, everyone who's engaged in the news is watching uh, with great interest uh, and fear what's going on in Israel and Gaza. And yesterday there was a hospital hit and about 500 people were killed and the uh, Muslim world went crazy and, and they're outside of the embassies everywhere setting things on fire. And then Israel said, hey, it wasn't us. Here's the proof of it. Here are the trajectories. Here's the radar. Look, we even picked up chatter between the Hamas fighters, basically saying, oops, we, 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 that was our rocket. That wasn't Israel. And one of the first things I thought of was you, that uh, if I gave you guys uh, some money in a few hours, you could probably fake all that stuff. Yes. And that allows Hamas or Hezbollah or anyone really to go. Yeah. Uh, yeah, 10, 15 years ago, maybe we would have believed it, but now y- you probably just made it all up. I mean, yeah, we're at the beginning of this, but as years go on, it's going to get scary as to what you believe. I mean, this, to fake something like that on a video is being done right. That, that type of, uh, of uh, capability is there right now. Um, I mean, we were just talking about Adobe. They just announced some fascinating technology where they have a male model wearing a suit, you know, with one button on the suit. He has no tie on and he's walking through an outdoor hallway with light changes. So the sun is changing every time he walks by a little light. Well, they selected the area of V between his button of his jacket and his collar and told AI built into Premiere Pro to add a tie, a blue tie, and it automatically did it. And not just a picture of a tie, it recreated the 24 frames per second, and the tie is stretching and moving with the suit as he's walking. So the reason I bring that up with the comment you just made about the rocket is that, yes, I mean, that capability, if you can add in post a tie that is not there, and it looks like it's, it looks like he's wearing an actual tie. It's got this, the, the shadows, it's got all the textures, and it's moving with his suit, but it was never there. And that, that type of technology is available now. And this is the kind of stuff that's going out to the public. I mean, imagine what the military's got. So, yes, you, it's going to be very tough to believe whether what, no matter what side you're on. I'm not taking sides on any of that, uh, the, the Israelis or the Palestinians. I'm saying that the technology is going to get scary what do you to guys, what you believe. What, if we can no longer believe our eyes and our ears, what do you guys think we're going to fall back on in the coming years? Well, one thing I think that's happening, and this is... Another story that, that has popped up, you, have you ever heard of Getty Images where yeah. most of the media gets their oh, yeah. Yeah. stock photos and, and B-roll footage and that kind of thing? They uh, worked with NVIDIA and they trained an AI solely on their library so much that they will guarantee any potential intellectual property damages from the fact that none of their images or video is AI generated or using copyrighted material. So I think that's what's going to have to happen you're going to end up with systems from AI to tackle AI-generated things, where AI would say, no, Getty Images, you can't sell this because that tie wasn't so there. So we have to and trust is- AI to police AI. That's where I think it's going. Wow. I, 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 because of these different things. Adobe's doing the same thing uh, with Firefly. Uh, Shutterstock is now reimbursing artists who are you know, upset with the fact that their, their material was stolen. Uh, John Grisham and George R.R. R. Martin are suing... AI companies uh, like OpenAI and Stability AI for copyright infringement. I mean, it's going to get like we talked about before. the the law The law world is about to explode when it comes to this industry. Um, and then what you believe or don't believe 
is going to be something else. And it's everything from someone's voice to a video uh, to a still image. Adobe showed in their last conference, they took a still image of an elephant, told AI to make the elephant walk and ears blow in the wind. And it did it. It created a video that didn't exist. It was a still picture. I mean, that is text to video, text to images is out of control when it comes to how neat it is, but it's also very, very dangerous in how people can use it. Okay, so in dumb guy terms on the elephant, does AI go access every video of an elephant it can find and then just go, okay, well, this is the way elephants move. Let's make this one move the way these 10,000 videos of elephants that we looked at in a trillionth of a second did it. Yes, but with a lot of math. And I'm, I'm not being silly. There's tons of majorly complicated algorithms that are moving because it has to calculate each pixel in that video 24 frames per second. So you're, you have 24 pictures that have to be generated like the old style, uh, you know, claymation or the old style cartoons. You have to recreate that. So it's taking what it thinks an elephant looks like and how it walks, then using math to recreate those pixels 24 frames per okay, second. I'm going to get a little weird. Um, there is a movie when I was a kid that scared the hell out of me called Omega Man with Charlton Heston. And basically uh, a super COVID kind of thing wipes out humanity, but he had the uh, inoculation and, and he lives. Then there are these people that survived, but they're mutants and they can only come out at night and they're terrifying. And he basically battles them. It's what I Am Legend was based on. Okay. 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 So I can imagine in the not too distant future that humans get so sick of AI and so fearful of AI that they that there are people who become sort of like modern day luddites where it's like we uh we will not use any technology we're not going to this we're going back to the farms uh almost becoming Amish because there's no middle ground. Does that make sense? Like, I could see that happening. You can believe what you can see with your own eyes in real time, but right. you can't believe your screen we anymore. We live in a non-AI community. Right. And we don't let any AI in because it can't be trusted and it's it's uh, perverting the entire world. I could see that happening in fairly large numbers. Mm-hmm. I might yep. even join them. <laughs> I mean, for real. Like, I agree I, with you. Yeah, I'm planning my retirement to be so small and simple and a cabin and water and chopping wood. The opposite of the Las Vegas sphere and AI and all this kind of stuff. And I could see people actually like adopting that lifestyle. Yeah, I mean, well, and here's the thing. I think we're about two generations away from the people that, that are born and grow up with it from the time that they know. And those, I think, are will adopt it in full and appreciate it differently than myself, who was born in 1974. And, you know, there's, I, I grew up in the 80s and the 90s. I wouldn't go back to those times. Most of the time I even talk about most of this stuff because it's so, it's so crazy. Um, I mean, even now, what's really wild, and this happened yesterday, uh, in order to advertise on Google, because, you know, we're, we're throttling, it's a business, we're advertising on Google, they required uh, verification, identity verification, and they required my driver's license front and back. So here I had to make a scan and give big tech, this giant mega company, my personal driver's license. So what do you think they do with that data? That's the question. Now, you have to pose yourself. The other question is, do I give large tech that identity 
or do I not advertise on Google? Well, that's not an option. So again, it goes back into who's going to adopt this. It, it, I think it's going to be two generations from now, kids that grow up with, they, they, all they do is talk and things talk back to them and there's augmented reality in their eye, in their contact lenses. And there's, you know, that's something I think it used to, but I think you, you, I, and, and everyone in this group is probably going to go, all right, we're done. And, you know, it, I'm, it, just, gonna, like, I'm just, just telling them to upload and, me into the matrix. Like, I'm, yeah. I, I'm not trying to be whatever here. I, I really mean it. It's going to be impossible to avoid the mark of the beast, yes, whether that I be think. biblical or just actual, yeah. because at some point, uh, if you walk into QT to get a, a, a SOTI and you have a credit card or cash, they're like, no, 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 we don't yep. take that. Show me your hand. That's and you're happening like, oh, in Europe. I'm, that's happening. Really? Yes, there are. There's a group in Spain that are putting chips in their hands, literally in between uh, their thumb and their index finger, that are experimenting with the technology that walk up the soda machines and put their hand on the soda machine and it automatically charges their it's bank. Kind of account. the same way you tap your card. Correct. And see, then that's the evolution of it. You notice, like places like Six Flags, they don't take cash anymore. Cannot have cash. If you have cash, you have to use a machine to turn cash into a gift card <laughs> that oh. you can then tap on the checkout. So it's just that evolution of where things are going from the time we used to, you know, look at gold and silver, and then we got to pennies and quarters and, you know, dollar bills, and now it's nobody wants to touch money, nobody wants to carry money, and eventually, I think you're right, I think it's going to be chips in the body and people are going to get used to it. Do you think that, like, I played with Bitcoin for a little while, Uh, do you think that this trajectory favors something like a Bitcoin, or do you think that it just leapfrogs Bitcoin and go straight into something completely more advanced. I think, well, the whole point of, you know, Bitcoin was this thing where you can't trace it. You can't track any of the transactions. And it was supposed to bring about this one world currency. And the problem is the bad guys took it and started doing bad things with it because they knew that the governments can't track them down because there's no way to trace a Bitcoin. So on top of that, you can see all the things that are happening with the, the, the scandals with, with uh, cryptocurrency and people going to jail. So I don't know if I don't know how the lifespan of cryptocurrency is that long. And I think you're right. It may leapfrog to something like, you know, the chip in your hand and, and nobody carries cash anymore. And it's just a number in a computer. But I, I think they're going to have to keep normal everyday people's currency traceable even though it's digital because uh, of the way things are going with cryptocurrency and crime it's unbelievable also how can something hold value if it can't be seen touched or verified by any by any third party that's right and you know what Uh, people are talking about hey we we may actually one day go back to gold standard where you have gold coins, silver coins, something you can hold in your hand with some weight that means something. Uh, so it's going to be interesting to see where this all goes and how much people adopt it and then stick with it. That's, I think, going to be the crazy thing. When, you, when it comes to adopting, uh, well, believing what you hear and see, I think is going to be the major yeah. shift. So at ThrottleNet, you guys help everyone from bakers and hospital groups. What has been the general response so far when you invoke AI, like, hey, you could this uh, 
the chat bot that you have, can I help you to look at a car? And it is so frustrating and everyone hates it. And you say, we have a much better version of that. It's AI. Do people recoil or are they interested or is it an even mix? I think most people look at how we use AI and appreciate the speed of our customer service. So we use AI in that as soon as you double click an icon on your desktop, it automatically is understanding who you are, who you work for, opening a service ticket, populating the service ticket, understanding what you're typing, recording the entire chat, and then giving a recommended resolution to the technician before he, she ever sees it. So that, when people hear about that, they're like, oh my gosh, that's fascinating. How did you do that? And we had, you know, we have a dedicated team that, that works specifically on AI advancements. So whether clients want to put in that effort is it's an investment right now. I mean, it's not something you just turn key and turn on. Um, the, the main thing that people are really coming to throttle it for is their security in order yeah. to sleep at night. Yeah. I mean, it is out of control, the amount of ransom attacks that are occurring. And it's, I got one yesterday. I actually had to send it to um, our white hat ethical hacker and ask him if it was real. It was a step-by-step about ThrottleNet payroll and click here and here's your username and password to access your online paycheck. I mean, it looked and read like it came from our HR department. I was blown away. And it's because they're using AI to write these elaborate emails with links. So it's no longer like broken English. No. And and when you hovered over the link, it was like fishnet.something.something fishnet. And I'm like, oh, okay. Had I clicked on that, I'm I'm done. I'm in trouble. Yeah, I'm cooked in one click. And it looks so, and I do this every day for a living. It looks so real. I had to actually make a phone call. I mean, most of the stuff I'm like, delete, 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 delete. And it's going to get scary. People really need to be training their employees about what's going on with AI, how to inform uh, and educate them on what AI is capable of, like, you know, pictures and video generation, um, so that they are really paying attention to what they're hearing, seeing, reading, clicking. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Go to throttlenet.com slash DGS. Thank you, buddy. Appreciate it. Thank you. Love being on. 252 DGS. You know who should love... The DGS, people who get bored easily and don't want to hear the same thing over and over again. <laughs> Man, the weather changes fast in the studio, doesn't it? Yeah. yeah. Um, so Halloween is coming up, and uh, we will be presenting your scary stories and my scary stories. Uh, we haven't decided exactly which days we're going to do it, but it's going to be like a week leading up to Halloween. Uh, We're also going to be posting some of our past Halloween shows that we thought were especially good. Is Sally House up now? It's up. And how do they find it? Uh, Anywhere that you find the normal DGS podcast. Okay. It's right there on the feed. If you subscribe to our podcast, which you should all be subscribed to the podcast, uh, you'll find it delivered straight to your feed. So your years ago, I we went to the Sally House, and this is one of the stories I tell in my Halloween stories. Uh, within what rates, 10 minutes of being in that house, we were upstairs in the nursery with the, the very nice lady who ran the Sally House. She had her equipment, not ours, and she had this ghost voice talking machine that she said, hey, look, don't get too excited. It usually spits out about a word every 10 minutes. Be careful not to fall into pareidolia and put them all together. And it uh, said about 10 words within about two minutes, all that perfectly matched with my brother and his manner of death. And uh, it was all on videotape and it was 
crazy and one of the most amazing things I've ever seen. So you can go listen to the Sally House episode now. Today we interviewed Sharon, who had a really creepy story. Here's a little excerpt of that. I just kind of always add, you know, things like I hear people cry during the night sometimes that need help. Many times spiritual things happen. There's always a, a different light. There's just a difference in spiritual things than there is in earthly things. There was something on the left side of my bed that had a hold of my left arm, and it was just pulling me, kind of like pulling me out of bed. I felt like it had followed me in there and was just kind of like, you can't get away. Reminds me, I told the story before, but it reminds me when Nick was about five or six and he came in to get me because he had a nightmare. And I'm like, well, buddy, maybe it'll help to talk about it. And he goes, okay. He goes, it, it, the whole thing was in black and white, kind of sepia tone. I'm in a park and uh, there was a guy sitting on a uh, seesaw, teeter totter, and he was at the top, but there was nothing on the bottom holding him up. And he was wearing an overcoat. And he had long, stringy hair, and he had just one sharp, sweaty tooth in the middle of his mouth. And I'm like, "Shut up! <laughs> I don't want to hear this story. Do you, do you, I need to sleep. Do tonight. you want a spanking? Because I will spank your butt right now. You shut up! Don't you ever talk to me again about ghosts? You scared the hell out of me. I had to go back to bed and deal with that. <laughs> You're on your own, kid. Yeah, no kidding. Oh, my God. <laughs> so when you hear other people's scary stories, you're like, stop talking. <laughs> so that's Halloween brought to you by uh, Lord Distributing. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Odyssey is giving you a chance to win a trip to London to see Taylor Swift at the Eras Tour. It's Tay in the UK. Hey, it's Taylor. Just download the free Odyssey app, log in and listen to a participating station for a minimum of 60 minutes to get your daily entry. And you could win a chance to fly off to London with three friends and see Taylor. I can't wait to see you at the Eras Tour in London. For more, go to odyssey.com slash Taylor. Tay in the UK. It's on the Odyssey app. Thanks to Republic Records. This is a national contest. Hey. 